yeah, excited. That's awesome. I need you to be excited. Thank you, musicians. How awesome. You happy about being in the house of God? I tell you what, I'm pretty excited. Thank you for that warm welcome. I really I needed that. It was wonderful. Let's just pray right now. Everyone just in your seats. Let's just pray. God, you're so awesome. God, you're an amazing God. God, we just lift up your name tonight. Lord, as the word is preached, God, I just pray, Holy Ghost, that you would allow it to go forth and pierce hearts. Lord, that lives will be changed tonight. Lord, that your perfect word would come out and touch the people that need to hear it. Father God, that you would flow through me tonight in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Well, I'm just so excited. Um, it's such a privilege for me to be speaking tonight. When Pastor Mike asked me if I would share, I just... I was a little bit um, surprised by that. But he said, don't worry, just pretend you're at Kids Church. So uh, that's what I'm going to do. I love the kids' ministry, and I love um, what we do, but tonight I get to do it on a bigger scale. So it's very exciting. How many of you are enjoying the John Bevere course? Oh, isn't it challenging? Isn't it good? It's a wonderful. I love it. I love getting in the presence of God. I love getting fresh revelation out of some scriptures that I've read over and over again. Uh, one of the things that I want to start with tonight and talk about is um, the revelation about Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember that when John Bevere just opened this up just in this last week? He talked about how the serpent deceived Eve. And how did he do it? How did he come in? I mean, Adam and Eve were in the most glorious place. They were in the garden. They were um, constantly in communion with God. They were walking with the Lord. How did the serpent come in and deceive Eve? Now, if you've been doing the course, you'll remember this. What he did was he came in and he tried to take her eyes off all that God had given Everything that God had given them. I mean, I don't know how big the Garden of Eden, it, uh, how, how big it was. I don't know how big it was, but it, I mean, it, it was bigger than my backyard. It had more than just like four trees in it. You know, sometimes we, we got to think like this. How big was the Garden of Eden? How big was it? I mean, it had all the animals there. I mean, Adam had to name all the animals, right? It was pretty big. It was more than just a couple of trees. So when God said, don't eat of that one tree... I mean, there was more than just a couple, right? So how many could they, could they have? Loads, right? Plenty. God said, you can have all of these, but this one don't touch. Now the serpent comes straight in and he t tries to take Eve's eyes off all that God has given. In fact, he tries to sow doubt and unbelief about the character and the nature of God. It's, no, it's, no, it's still the same today. The enemy is exactly the same today. He comes in, isn't this right? He comes in and challenges us and he tries to attack us. And what he does is sow doubt and unbelief about the nature and the character of God. Isn't that what he does? When we're on a mountaintop, when things are going great, when everything is wonderful, it's easy to praise God. Amen? What happens when we're in the valley? What happens? When, when doubt and unbelief come and we're in the valley and we're being challenged, what will keep you? What will keep you from falling into that same trap that Eve did? What will hold you? I'll tell you what will hold you, whether or not you have the truth of God, you know him, you have the word of God embedded deep in your heart. That's what will hold you. When you're in the valley, that's what's going to hold you, amen? 
Like we, we so much need the word of God embedded deep into our hearts. Can you say amen? I mean, we absolutely need to know it. You know, we need to know God. We need to know his heart. We need to know his character. We need to know what he's like. How do we know him? How do we know him? How do we know him? By spending time with him, by being in his presence and absorbing ourselves in the word of God. It's not all about just having a happy time in his presence. We must read the word. The Bible says the word became flesh. This is him. This is him. We need to get engrossed in the word. We need to read the word. We've got to break it open. We've got to spend time in it. We've got to allow it to go down deep. Don't just read one verse and let it bounce off the top of your head and not go any deeper. We need to meditate on the word of God. We need to break it open, ask God, invite the spirit of revelation to come and visit us and open up this word. Isn't this good? This is good, eh? How big is this? I mean, it's not, it's not that big. How many people have read the Word of God from cover to cover? Read every single bit. How many people? It's me a bit of a wave. It's not everyone. There's actually not many. How come we don't? How come we don't? I mean, I've read novels bigger than this. How come it's so hard? You know what? There are mysteries in the Word. And the Word is actually deeper than what it is wide. There's actually layers in the Word. You know that? Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Let's have a look at this. Colossians chapter 2. Let me know when you're there. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. And this is Paul. Now, this morning, Pastor Dave was talking about Paul. Apart from Jesus, I mean, Paul preached the gospel in many, many places. He was an unbelievable man of God. Now, this is Paul speaking. He's writing a letter to the Laodiceans. And he says, the reason I'm writing, verse 2, is that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Everyone say mystery. Underline it, mystery. Do you know there's mysteries in the word? Why do you think God says, ask, seek, and knock? Why do you think God says that? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep um, imploring with with the spirit of God to come and open up his word. Why? Because there's mysteries in God. There's mysteries in the word. Why is it sometimes we can read something and we don't really get it, And then later we come and read it and the spirit of revelation comes upon and it's open up to us because this is a living word and it's alive and there's mysteries in it. The knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the father and of Jesus Christ, it goes on to say. Just imagine, even if it were possible, even if this was possible, that you completely searched out all of God, every hidden part of him, and you discovered every single mystery you could possibly discover in him, when you get to the end of that, then God would say, now he's my son Jesus, and you can start all over again. I mean, there is so much in God, it would take two eternities to understand and get through and, and pull out of here all that God is, all that he has for us. 
and understanding him. How much do we need the word of God? How much do we need to not just, as I said before, let it just hit the top of our heads. We actually need it to go down deep. We need to meditate. We need to read it over and over. We need to think about this thing. We need to dwell on this one verse. We need to let it push it down. Keep pushing it down into our spirit. But because God says, I want my word. I want to place a seal over your heart. But the word doesn't even get that far sometimes. It just goes on top of our head. It just goes as far as our brain. But actually, God says, I want to just seal that thing upon your heart. We need to allow God to get his word to come right down into our heart. Let it come. Let it come deeper, deeper. Keep dwelling. Keep meditating. Keep chewing it over. Let it come right down to you. Push it right down into your heart. Then God can stamp his seal of it upon your heart. Then God can lock it in. And I tell you, when you do that and when you have the word of God in you like that, You'll be amazed at the times when the Holy Ghost will bring those things out. You might have not read that scripture for a really long time, but once God places that seal of it over your heart, it is locked in there. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing how good God is? Come on, give him a praise. Come on. I love it. I love it. I love the mysteries of God. I love the word of God. I've just been so challenged um, this week as I've been preparing to share. I just, God, what do you want me to share? And I just have felt God press on me again. Just open up his word. I just want to, I've got so many things I want to show you. I've got so many things I want to reveal to you. And tonight I want to talk about the favor of God and positioning yourself for God's favor. Positioning yourself so that the word of God can be opened up. Sometimes we read this and we get completely lost. But keep asking. But keep seeking. But keep knocking. Because God loves it when we long for him. God loves it when we get desperate enough to say, God, I want you. I don't understand this thing. Open it up and we wait in his presence. And the spirit of revelation comes and we see all that God has for us. Look at verse 3. Again, in whom are hidden Hidden, it's hidden in God, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who wants wisdom? Oh, boy, don't we need wisdom? We so much need wisdom. We, we, not just wisdom, but we need knowledge. We need to understand things. If we're going to be an effective church, if we're going to be effective Christians, we not only need wisdom, we actually need knowledge. We need knowledge of how to approach people, how to go to the community, how to have um, right relationships. We actually need knowledge. We need understanding. This, all these things are hidden treasure inside God. It's hidden there. Underline that. Hidden. Hidden in God. We need to devour the word, get right in underneath it so that we can find out all the treasures of God. Amen? I tell you, we, um, as a kids' church team, one Wednesday night, we, we did this as a team. We meet every Wednesday night. We prepare for Sunday and prepare all the kids' programs. But one night, we scrapped everything and we did something like this. We just decided we need God. And the theme that we were focusing on at that time was unity. So we're looking at unity and God was speaking to us about unity. So we decided, let's just do this. Let's get right into the word. So we, this is just an example of what we did. Turn to Acts chapter 2. This was really exciting. You'll be blessed by this. This is what happened. I love God. He's so good. So we, we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And what we did, we just took half that. We didn't even use a whole verse. We just took half of that. They were all with one accord in one place. That's what we took. And every member in the team wrote that at the top of their blank page and they went in their own corner of the room and for the next 30 minutes everybody just encountered God asked the revelation of God to come upon them and reveal what does this mean you know what happened everybody got something different it was actually the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen we should do it more often it was unbelievable the first person said well I just got as far as the word they the very first word, they, I just got stuck there. God just stopped me in my tracks right there. They, who were they? Adults, children, I don't know how many. Who were they? They were all there. I don't know. Who were they? And they just had an encounter and a revelation about who these people were. Who are these people? They must love God. They're desperate. What kinds of people? What do they have in their heart? Why were they there? They, they, just stuck on they. Then the next person says, well, I got as far as were, the second word. I got, just got word. They were, they were, they were, they were there. They didn't stay at home and watch TV. They came. They were, they were there. I got as far as were. That's, they had revelation for 30 minutes on the word were. They were there. Not only that, they were all. Another person, next person said, I, well, I got all. That's all I got. All, all, all. How many? All. How many? All. Wow. Oh, wow, revelation. The next person said, oh, well, I got with. I got, I got revelation. Imagine that. Revelation on the word with. Isn't that unbelievable? I've read this verse and I thought it said they were all in one accord. Hmm. Lucky for them. But Holy Ghost came because they happened to be all in one accord. That was nice. No problems, no conflict, no difference of opinion. They just happened to be all in one accord. But it doesn't say that. They says they were with one accord. They came with it. They came with a heart to leave differences aside. They came with a heart and an attitude to say, hey, I'm going get, to get on together. We're going to be in one accord. We're gonna... They came with it. They came with unity. How amazing is that? Revelation on the word with. There's so much in, in God's word, amen? There's so many layers here. And I'm sure that there could be so much more brought out out of that one verse. Isn't that awesome? I, um, went this week as I was just talking with the Lord, he just drew me to another verse, Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Oh, you'll love this. This is good. Psalm 42 in verse 7, I thought this was strange that he would draw me here. How does this fit? Psalm 42, verse 7. This is what it says. Deep calls unto deep at the sound of your waterfalls. I thought this is strange. I'm going to make this fit into what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is a bit odd. And I kept getting drawn back and back to this verse. I have no clue what it means. None. So I did what every good preacher should do, I guess, is look up the concordance and look up the Bible dictionary. And there was really no relevant um, passages to look up, nothing really great there. Looked up the word deep, and you know what it means? Depths. So I really uh, didn't have, in my own strength, I really didn't have any great insight into that verse there. So what I did was, well, God, you know, you wrote it. You know what it means. You tell me then. You tell me. What does that mean? Why are you drawing this to me? Why is, are you highlighting this verse to me? What is this supposed to mean? And boom, I tell you, a download of revelation on this verse. I couldn't believe it. I tried in my own strength to do something and nothing happened. But I tell you, the spirit of revelation wants to visit you. 
And tonight the spirit of revelation can rest on you. And when you leave this place, the spirit of revelation wants to encounter you if you let him in the word. Now look at this, at the sound of the waterfalls. How many people know you can't have a waterfall without a river? How many people know in the kingdom of God, there's a river? There's a river. The river's good. But the most glorious part of the river is the waterfall. The most amazing, spectacular part of the river is the waterfall. How many people know people will travel all over the world to see the most amazing, glorious waterfalls, don't they? There's photographs of them. I mean, this is the glorious handiwork of God is demonstrated in the most incredible waterfalls. When we come and experience and encounter the most glorious times that God would move, when we experience God, when we start to see all that he has for us, when we have a conference like the Supernatural Conference, when Charlie Robinson and and Jeff Jansen are here and they're speaking, we start to see amazing, incredible things. We see diamonds forming in people's hands. When we see that, we encounter the most inglorious times in God. There's something on the inside of us. There's depths and deep, deep, deep places in our hearts that long to be filled, long to know him, long for more. There's deep, there's deep parts in the human heart that longs for the depths in God. There's deep parts in every human person, whether you're saved or unsaved, there's something down deep in all of us that longs to know him, that longs to encounter him, that longs for more of him, longs for, and not just the shallow waters, but the depths of him. Because when we get in those places where the deep parts of us long after him, it's not satisfied with just reading one little verse. We need depth in him. We need some deep, deep revelation. We need more of him. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man, I just love this. Um, I I was just thinking, God, just let the waterfall plummet deep and stir up the depths within me so that you can fulfill your depths inside of me. How many people want that? How many people want the word of God to just open up so there's depths that can fulfill the longing inside your heart that every single person on the planet longs to be filled with. The deep revelation, the deep touch, the deep sense of all that God is. Isn't that awesome? When we spend time in his presence, when we spend time in his word, digging deep, meditating, allowing it to go, go deep into our hearts, I tell you, the favor of God comes around your life. The favor of God comes around your life when you do this. The touch of God resides on your life when you do this. I want to tell you about favor. This morning, how, who was here this morning and heard Pastor Dave preach? Oh, it was awesome. I want to tell you about favor just on, on Pastor Dave. I mean, Pastor Dave was preaching and it was awesome. Not only that, his incredible wife was song leading this morning. She was worship leading and it was an amazing presence of God this morning. Who, who enjoyed the worship this morning? I mean, Pastor Kate was unbelievable. Not only that, their four-year-old daughter was in King's Kids who this week had an encounter with God, went to heaven and saw things. She was telling all the three and four-year-olds and laying hands on them that they would encounter God as well. How unbelievable. Come on. This is awesome. I tell you. I want to tell you that Charlie Robinson prophesied this. He said that three and four-year-olds would encounter God in this place and they would start to see things in the spirit that you and I long for. I mean, this is the faith. This is not just a fluke that that happened this morning on that family. I, mean, I can't wait to see what Madison's going to do, I tell you. 
You know, it's not just a fluke. They've positioned themselves. The favor of God rests upon them. Why? Because they spent time in his presence and time in his word. They allowed to go deep. Why did Ian get a diamond? Why? Because he spends time in the presence. He spends time in his word. Oh, that was a deep calling under deep, I reckon. <laughs> that one. Oh, it was awesome. When the favor of God rests on you, when the favor of God comes and is all around you, people will see it. People will see it. And not just people in the church, would you believe? The community will recognize the favor of God in your life. They might not word it that way, but they will know there's something different about you. They will recognize you. They will, they will recognize the thing that's around you. They'll say, there's something different about you. There's something that's on you. Everything you put your hand to just seems to turn to gold. Everything you do is blessed and prosperous. There's something on your life. There's something there. I want to tell you, as young people, you can dwell in the presence of God and linger there, and God will open up his word, unlock mysteries, and the favor of God will come. Really quickly, turn to Exodus Exodus chapter 33, real quick. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 9. Now look at this. This is so exciting. Are you there? Exodus chapter 33, verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. You know, Pastor Mike hears from God, Amen. I believe um, our wonderful elder, Ian, hears from God. The daddies and the granddaddies in this place will meet with God face to face and get unbelievable revelation. But I tell you, there's something for young people too. There's something for young people too. Look at verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How awesome. And then he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, this is young people, did not depart from the tabernacle. I'm telling you, when the granddaddies and the daddies in this house, they will meet with God face to face. They'll get a download of revelation. They'll have amazing words and, and visitations, encounters from God. But it's the young generation that will linger in the presence of God. It's the young generation that won't leave. They won't leave the tabernacle because they'll learn what it is to linger in his presence. And when you do, the favor of God will come. The mysteries will be opened up. And that's why I love working with kids because this is a young generation knowing what it is to linger in this presence and have the word open up to them and have unbelievable encounters. This is a Joshua generation. Oh, how exciting is that? Come on, praise him. It's awesome. This is awesome. When the favor of God rests on you, Christians and non-Christians will see it. You will have um, credibility in the church and in the community. I, I do, again, sorry, Ian, I'm picking on you, but you know how a leader in the church and yet has a business in the community, equally credible, favor of God, not flaky Christians, not just ones that only the church kind of sees. Actually, when the favor of God rests on you, both the church and the community will see it and they'll want it. 
Oh, let's have a look at someone who had that. They had the touch of God on their life. Judges chapter 4, they had the kiss of God, really, just resting on them. Judges chapter 4, you'll love this. Now, this is a time when Moses is dead and Joshua is dead. And the Israelites seem to go through this um, up and down. They were going great and God blesses them. And then they did evil in the sight of the Lord again. And um, God hands them over to the enemies. And then God has to bring someone. They cry out to God and he brings someone to deliver them. And this is at a time when they're going in and out of this season. And... The Lord brings these people, these judges, to help them. He brings people, puts them in authority to help these ones. So Judges chapter 4, let's have a look here. This is what's just happened. The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 2, so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor, and the commander of his army was Sizera. Let's go straight down to verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. Deborah was the appointed person in authority over Israel at that time. They were in captivity, right? The Canaanites have taken over them, right? So they're in captivity right now. Now she would, get this, Deborah, favor of God, right? Both the church and the community, they recognize this. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah. This is when she's judging the people, right? Let's just read it. Verse 5, she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So her job, what she had to do was she was like a judge with, you know, a curly wig. You know, she w- people would come, they would present their cases to her, and she would be the judge. She would say um, that you know, you need to do this. And she would be the one that would bring counsel. She'd bring advice. She would bring leadership. She would bring direction. She would help um, resolve discrepancies. That was her job. That's what she did. And it's interesting where she positioned herself. She would sit under a tree. Hmm. Under a tree. She didn't go to the courthouse. She wasn't right in the marketplace. She wasn't in on top of the highest building. She actually wasn't even in the city. She was in amongst the mountains and she would sit under a tree. Now, keep your finger just right there in Judges chapter 4 and flick over to Acts chapter 5. Just hold that there. This is interesting. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a huh, Deborah sat at the foot of a tree. Hmm. She positioned herself under the blood. She positioned herself at the foot of the cross. She positioned herself underneath the wisdom, the counsel, and the redemptive power of Jesus. She positioned herself there. Do you like that? Isn't that awesome? I just felt like God just dropped that in. I love that. So you know what? When there's favor on your life, people will come to you for advice, people will come to you 
for direction, people will come to you. You might think, oh, I'm not anybody. But I tell you, people in their desperate hour will say, you know God, can you help me? That's what people will say. People will say that to you. Say, well, I, I've got nothing to give. I'm not, a, I'm not in any kind of position to give counsel. But I guarantee you, sooner or later, someone is going to come ask of your opinion, your advice, or your help. Do you position yourself under the blood of Jesus? Do you operate out of your own thinking, out of your own counsel, out of your own experiences, out of your own hurts? Or do you position yourself right under the redemptive power of Jesus Christ and say, God, I need your wisdom right now. God, I need to tap in to all that you have, your wisdom, your understanding, your revelation. I need you to come through for me right now. Isn't that awesome? I love how Deborah positioned herself. She sat under the tree. She sat there. It's wonderful. And it was between Ramah and Bethel, between two towns. This tree was positioned between two towns, Ramah and Bethel. Now, when I looked up the meanings of Ramah and Bethel, this was so interesting. Bethel means the house of God or the house of the Almighty. That's what it means. It sort of represents the Christians, right? Right? Yeah, okay. And Ramah means haughty, lofty, lifted up as in idolatry. Hmm. Kind of a bit like our community, really. She was positioned both in between both the church and the community. And yet both would come to her, both sides, people from both towns would come to her for her judgment. Why? Because they recognized there was something on her life. They recognized that she had the favor of God on her life. They recognized that. The church and the unchurch, they could see that. Her wisdom and counsel was as such that she had to have known God. And spent time with him. And she was tapped into a resource that they really wanted. Amen? Let's have a look at this. So Deborah has a word from God. In verse 6, halfway through there, she calls the, the commander of the army of the Israel tribe of the people and says, "Go." the Lord has spoken to me, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you, I will deploy Caesarea. Remember who Caesarea was? Verse 2, he was the commander, commander of the army of the enemy, right? So Caesarea is going to come and he'll have his chariots and his multitude, but I will deliver him into your hand. That's what God had revealed to Deborah. She says that to the commander of the army of God's people. This is what he says. Let's have a look. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I'll go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? He did not have his own revelation of God. He did not have his own relationship with the Lord. If he did, he would have said, bam, thank you, ma'am. I needed that. That's the kind of confidence that I needed. And I'll go out in my own faith in God. But he didn't do that. He did not have a relationship with the Lord himself. But he recognized the favor of God on Deborah. And he says, well, hang on a minute. If you go, I'll go. But I'm not going there. I'm not doing that if you don't go. Now, was Deborah a mighty warrior princess? I mean, and this is the commander of the army. So what is Deborah actually going to do when he confronts the battle? What is she actually physically going to do? 
There's nothing that, it doesn't say that she was skilled with a sword or anything like that. She just had the favor of God. He actually needed her because he recognized if you come, the touch of God might, I rub shoulders with you, might come on my life. Isn't that unbelievable? Isn't that awesome? And this is what she says. So she said to him, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Caesarea into the hand of a woman. You know what? Even if people position themselves right alongside you and try and get the glory, even if people position themselves, try and manipulate you or use you because they recognize the favor of God in your life, no glory will come to them. God reserves all the glory. Amen? Isn't that awesome? God reserves all the glory for himself. He will not allow someone else to come in and ride right in underneath your anointing and steal all the glory. He won't let it happen. He won't let it happen. And how much shame over this Caesarea that he would be, you know, die in the hand of a woman. And later on, let's just read. This is what happens. This is so exciting what happens. So verse 13, so Caesarea gathered together all his chariots 900 chariots of iron, all the people who were with him, they go there, drop down to 16. All the army of Caesarea fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. That's an incredible victory. Don't you believe that? That is unbelievable. Exactly what Deborah had prophesied. Exactly as she saw it, exactly as she proclaimed it. In fact, it was an unbelievable victory. But look at this, verse 17. However, Caesarea had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael and she killed him. Can you imagine? How did Caesarea, just think about this for a moment. He was the commander of the army of the enemy. How did he get there? He had to have been in plenty of battles before then. Had to have been. He had to have proven himself in war. He must have been a skilled guy. He knew what he was doing. He'd been around a long time. He had a reputation. This was an amazing warrior. He was the commander of the army. And yet, I bet he was remembered for one thing. Some woman killed him. He did not die gloriously in a battle, you know, locking swords with another amazing commander of another army. Just a chick killed him. That was it. That was it. Just knocked him off. That was done. Can you imagine being remembered for that? Not good. Not good. But I tell you, when the favor of God comes upon your life, the church and the unchurch will see it. There'll be a touch of God, a kiss of God on your life. But we get that by positioning ourselves. We get that by going deep in the word. Amen? I'm just going to finish and maybe the musicians could come. You know... I believe that there's people here tonight that just desperately in their heart that you have said and cried out to God, God, I don't even understand your word. I just, I need revelation. I need you to come. I need you to encounter me. Just like Psalm 42 verse 7, as deep cries out unto deep, there's something on the inside of me that just longs for your word to open up. There's just longing because I need the favor of God. I need the touch of God. I need the kiss of heaven to come upon me.